This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, First Republic Bank gets a helping hand from its competitors. Eleven of the biggest banks in the U.S. are throwing out a $30 billion lifeline. This after Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen testified the American banking system is sound. 5,000 gallons of diesel spill in Washington state as the troubles in rail transport continue to pile up. Meanwhile, another train derails in Arizona. Transgender bathroom use is in the spotlight again. Both the Iowa House and Senate have approved a bill on bathroom and locker use for students. Chaos on the streets of Paris as the French government forced through changes to the national pension plan. The move could spell trouble for President Macron. And we have the story of a special red dress that connects hundreds of women across 50 countries. Find out about their shared mission. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's finally Friday. The date is March 17th. Before we head into the weekend, though, we're starting off today with more news from the banking sector. First Republic Bank was thrown a lifeline from 11 of the biggest U.S. banks yesterday. The 11 banks are infusing the stricken bank with a $30 billion rescue package. The rescue package is part of an effort to stop First Republic from becoming the third U.S. bank to fail in less than a week and prevent a broader banking crisis. First Republic Bank is facing a crisis of confidence from investors and customers. It was in a similar situation as Silicon Valley Bank. First Republic has a similar clientele. That means it caters to wealthy clients and companies whose deposits exceed the federal insurance limit. After signs of trouble, they started to withdraw those large uninsured deposits. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the rescue and what led up to it. Wall Street's main indexes ended firmly in positive territory on Thursday after some of the country's largest lenders came to the rescue of embattled First Republic Bank. The Dow gained more than 1%, the S&P 500 jumped nearly 1.8%, and the Nasdaq soared 2.5%. That came after U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told lawmakers in testimony that the banking system is sound. Americans can feel confident that their deposits will be there when they need them. Yellen reportedly was first to come up with the idea for the rescue package and met with J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon before it was created. The move was seen as critical to stabilizing the bank's deposit base, but also a critical signal to financial markets about both the bank and the U.S. financial system. First Republic shares were down more than 60% on Monday, even after the bank said it had secured additional funding from J.P. Morgan and the Federal Reserve. Its shares plunged early in the session Thursday as far as 36% after its credit rating was downgraded, but rallied after reports that the rescue package was in the works. The stock closed up close to 10%. J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley each rose roughly 2%. George Ball, chairman of Sanders Morris Harris, says the fears over First Republic were unwarranted. First Republic is an interesting example of uh, investors, I think, uh, anticipating a problem where none exists, but the very anticipation and the drawdown in their deposit base uh, has put the bank at some degree of risk. Focus now shifts to the Federal Reserve's next move. 
Money markets are now largely pricing in a 25 basis point rate hike by the Fed at its March 22 policy announcement, down from 50 basis points a week ago. There's nothing the Fed can do that's right. They're going to be criticized no matter what they do. It's possible the Fed could pause on its rate hikes until May, or even longer if it needs to. The central bank announced Thursday cash-short banks have borrowed about $300 billion from them over the past week. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Moving out west, thousands of gallons of diesel fuel have leaked after a train derailed on the Swinomis Reservation in Washington State. Meanwhile, another train in Arizona derailed. The Washington State Department of Ecology says the BNSF train derailed in Anacortes close to a bay. At least 5,000 gallons of diesel spilled out. Most of the fuel leaked on the land side. No injuries have been reported. This is the latest in a series of recent derailments. On Wednesday, a BNSF train carrying corn syrup went off the tracks near the Arizona-California border. BNSF said there were no injuries and no indication hazardous materials were involved. Then last week, a train careened off the tracks in West Virginia. Three crew members were injured and diesel fuel spilled into a nearby river. Over 25 pounds of cocaine and a gun were found after a group of 16 illegal migrants jumped off a boat into the ocean. They were apparently stowaways aboard a cargo ship headed to Puerto Rico. During a search, authorities found a canvas bag containing 10 bricks of cocaine and a firearm. The drugs were valued at over $260,000. U.S. Customs and Border Protection reported the arrest of 18 illegal immigrants from the Dominican Republic. That includes two women who were arrested on the boat. The cargo ship departed from Florida, but officials suspect they might have snuck aboard near the Dominican Republic, this after abandoning a small boat in that area. Homeland Security is investigating the incident. Evacuation orders have been issued for residents in several California counties as floods have been wreaking havoc across much of the state. Many were not able to salvage their belongings due to rising floodwaters. It's the latest disaster stemming from a string of winter storms to strike California. Entity's Costemines has more. Residents of this small rural town of Porterville waded through needy water to enter their homes and collect what belongings they could. Water levels are quickly rising at Lake Success. The raging waters have driven piles of trash and debris down the river's path. Essentially what you see here is staff is staged up with the high flows at the bridge deck, maintaining any debris that collects and removing it, uh, preventing the water to back up into the channel. Ralph McLaughlin and his family have lived in Portable for over 35 years. People are in shock more than anything else. And it's just, uh, uh, they're scared to death. I mean, you know, about a lot of them's lost property. I mean, a lot of them's lost uh, vehicles and stuff. He has decided to weather the storm, but is still worried about his belongings. When it floods and goes into buildings like that, you know what can happen. <sighs> Nothing good happens. Many others have not been as fortunate. I've lost my whole livelihood here. My 86-year-old father lives there, and he's lost everything. Everything. And what we've been out, I'm 57, and I've been out here since I was seven. So we've been out here 50 years. And um, my father and I have lost everything. No warning, no nothing. 
The fast-moving floodwater destroyed everything in its path within 15 minutes and left no time to evacuate or remove belongings and animals. We're shocked that all this happened as quick as it did. So now we're all, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. All of us, you know, there's several tenants that live on this property. So I'm just going in now because they said the water wasn't clean to go through. So I'm going in to feed my animals and see what I can see what's going on in my house. Drone footage shows crop fields inundated by brown water in Pajaro. California has experienced a dramatic change in weather. For the past several years, the state has been mostly plagued by drought, heat and wildfires. According to the National Weather Service, it's likely more heavy rainfall will hit parts of the state next week. Cost MNS, NTD News. We're zooming in now on controversies over transgender bathrooms. Iowa lawmakers just passed a bill that requires students to only use public school bathrooms that align with their sex. The bill covers both restrooms and locker rooms in public schools. The Iowa State House approved the measure 57 to 39. Five Republicans joined all Democrats in opposing the bill. The vote came a week after the Senate approved the bill. The bill is now heading to Republican Governor Kim Reynolds' desk. She is expected to sign it into law. Supporters of the measure say the privacy and safety of girls shouldn't be compromised at the expense of transgender students. Opponents, meanwhile, argue that the bill would put transgender children in danger. Arkansas, Alabama, Oklahoma and Tennessee already approved similar measures. TikTok could soon be banned here in the U.S. That's what the Biden administration is warning if the platform's Chinese owners refuse to give up their shares in the company. Entity's Iris Tao has the latest from the White House. A drastic shift in the White House's stance towards TikTok. A spokesperson for the popular app tells Reuters that the Biden administration is now threatening that the platform could face a nationwide ban if its Chinese parent company does not give up its shares. The White House on Thursday would not confirm such reports, but reiterated President Biden's concerns over the app. We've expressed concerns over China's uh, potential use of software platforms that could endanger or threaten uh, America's safety and their national security. So that is the president's concern. That is why uh, we have uh, called on Congress to take action. The Biden administration has been negotiating with the app for two years now, trying to reach a solution over data security. But this marks the first time we've heard of a threat of an outright ban. And it comes as the White House is now openly endorsing a bipartisan legislation that could be used to ban the app. We're not going to get ahead of the review, but certainly uh, we, uh, again, support this uh, bipartisan legislation that we're coming. And TikTok, meanwhile, pushes back by saying that a forced sale will not solve the problem. And all eyes will be on Capitol Hill next week as TikTok's CEO is scheduled to testify and face grilling by lawmakers from both sides of the aisle. Reporting from the White House, Aris Tao, NTD News. Now, TikTok is also under scrutiny in other parts of the world. Canada, Belgium and the European Commission have already banned the app from official devices. And Britain said yesterday it would immediately ban TikTok on government devices over security concerns. New Zealand said today it would also ban TikTok on devices with access to the country's parliamentary network, making it the latest nation to limit the use of the video sharing app on government-related devices. And coming up, the French government has forced through a raise in retirement age. It's a move that could spell trouble for President Macron. And the U.S. conducts its first maritime exercises with North African forces. Find out what threats have prompted training operations to expand after the break.
Welcome back. Chaos continues in France as the country makes changes to its pension plan. The government yesterday forcibly raised the retirement age without a vote. Here's the story. Violence and arson erupted on the streets of Paris as the French government forced through changes in the national pension plan. Clashes broke out Thursday evening between riot police and protesters. Several officers were injured. That's after French President Emmanuel Macron ordered his prime minister to wield a special constitutional power that skirts the National Assembly. It pushed through, without a vote, the highly unpopular bill that raised the retirement age from 62 to 64. We can't make any bets on the future of our pensions. This reform is necessary. So because I'm attached to our social model and because I believe in parliamentary democracy and it's your reform, the text is from this parliament, the result of the compromise between the two assemblies. I'm ready to take responsibility. Members of the National Assembly broke into the national anthem and delayed her speech. Heckling and disruption continued throughout the session. The pension changes passed the French Senate earlier on Thursday, but the Macron administration invoked the special power just minutes before a scheduled vote in the lower chamber, as they didn't believe enough lawmakers would vote in favor. Until the last minute, with my ministers, we did everything we could to get the majority on this text. You know, with the President of the Republic, we wanted to have a vote. The risky move is expected to trigger a quick no-confidence motion in Macron's government. If the motion gets approval for more than half the seats, the text is rejected and the government must resign. Lawmakers from both aisles condemned the pension changes. It's a question of preventing the expression of the will of the French people through their representatives. They did not manage to find a majority because they were bad. The authoritarianism he employs, they're using it to force through a pension reform that no one wants. The proposed pension changes have prompted major strikes and protests across the country since January. Macron argued the changes are needed to keep the pension system from diving into deficit as France, like many other nations, faces lower birth rates and longer life expectancy. Poland pledged yesterday that it would send four MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. The move is significant, marking a break from the NATO alliance. Poland's president said the planes would be handed over in the coming days after they're serviced. The four fighter jets come from a dozen others that the country inherited from the former German Democratic Republic. Some say Poland's action to supply Ukraine with heavy weapons could put pressure on other member states. The U.S. insists that Poland's move would not force Washington's hand. U.S. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that Poland's decision doesn't change our calculus with regards to F-16s, referring to the U.S.-built fighter jet. The U.S. military is conducting its first maritime drills with West African forces. The exercises are part of its long-run-in flintlock program. Although the threats West African forces face are many, illegal fishing from Chinese vessels has become a top priority. The U.S. commander in charge of the training says this robs the region of a key resource and takes food out of people's mouths. They say it's, he says it also fuels other criminal activity, including drugs and human trafficking. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. West African forces pull their small boats up to a rust-stained ferry and swarm the deck to disarm mock kidnappers on board. 
The drills are meant to bolster the skills of West African forces. Admiral Milton Sands says the program has expanded to help coastal nations in the region cope with maritime threats such as piracy and illegal fishing. So we see a variety of different countries fishing in here and really pulling material resources, fish and protein from the, the coastal West Africa shores without, without permission. According to a 2022 report by the Financial Transparency Coalition of Non-Governmental Organizations, illegal fishing is sapping an estimated $9 billion a year or more through illicit financial flows. Of the top 10 companies found to be fishing illegally in the region, eight are Chinese and a third of all vessels sport Chinese flags. We also see other activities taking place on top of the IEU fishing or illegal, unauthorized and unregulated fishing fleets like human trafficking, like drug movement. And so it's like many smuggling networks or illegal activities, you see multiple layers of illegal activity happening under the guise of IEU fishing. Ghana's naval commander says curbing illegal fishing has become a top priority. They know, I think they know about our regulations, but they somehow try to flout those regulations because of uh, our enforcement capabilities. Around 350 troops took part in the drills, including servicemen from Ivory Coast, Ghana, and Nigeria on the Gulf of Guinea. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. In the Atlantic, there's a stinky situation brewing, and it's threatening the, to put a huge damper on your summer travel plans. A 5,000-mile-wide mile blob of smelly and potentially dangerous seaweed is headed for the shores of Florida and other seaside tourist destinations. The seaweed, a variety called sargassum, has long formed large blooms in the Atlantic Ocean, but this year's mass could be the largest on record. It spans from the coast of Africa all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Florida Atlantic University researchers say the blob is expected to pass through the Caribbean into the Gulf of Mexico during the summer. And then it will be hitting Florida beaches around July. They're calling it a catastrophic problem for tourism in the Caribbean region. And not only is it expensive, costing millions to remove from beaches, it can also be hazardous to human health. That's because it emits a toxic gas that can cause respiratory problems. Researchers say the amount of seaweed can shift from year to year depending on ecological factors. And coming up, an elaborate project celebrating women across cultures. A stunning red dress that's the work of over 300 artisans from 50 countries. That and more after the break. Good to have you back. This next story is about a stunning red dress made with the help of over 370 artisans in 50 different countries. It's an elaborate project conceived by a British artist that spanned over 13 years. We take a look at what this project means. The Red Dress Global Embroidery Project is the idea of British textile artist Christy McLeod. It's a stunning floor-length gown constructed out of 84 pieces of burgundy silk dupion. The dress was made possible with help from 374 artisans in 50 different countries around the world. So the, the, the dress, the presentation of the red dress was very different for the first few years because it was pictured as, a, as an art piece. Um, so it was shown in galleries around the world. Uh, and I used to sit wearing the dress inside a Perspex cube and I used to embroider onto the dress directly for about three or four hours shut inside this cube. 
The project began in 2009 when McLeod was given the opportunity to bring a new piece of work to Art Dubai, and she was given funding from the British Council. From 2009 to 2023, pieces of the red dress have traveled the globe, being continuously embroiled onto. So, because I didn't have, so the, the first year was, was funded, then for the next, I think it was the next seven years, eight years, I self-funded the project. So I definitely didn't have any budget to go traveling with the dress around the world. So I, was, I sent out panels of fabric to uh, artists that I connected with. The project provides an artistic platform for women around the world to tell their personal stories through embroidery. It also aims to honor women's stories across cultures and celebrate the power of togetherness. Amongst all of the more meaningful, it is um, a celebration of the universal language of embroidery. Definitely, it's like, it's like, what I really wanted to, I chose embroidery because it's so accessible. It's practiced all over the world. And also, it's not, in England anyway, it's not that celebrated. It's, it's quite a dying art. McLeod is touring with the red dress to share its message and meet some of its contributors. In the next few years, she plans to reconnect with all the artisans and meet them in person to show them the finished dress. Today is St. Patrick's Day, a holiday known for parades, shamrocks, and all things Irish, including luck. We asked people about the luckiest thing that ever happened to them. I was in Las Vegas about 13 years ago and won $5,000. Uh, the best luck I had is when I met him. Probably whenever I, I auditioned for SAB, School of American Ballet, and a week later I found out that I got accepted to it and I got a partial scholarship and it made me so happy. Having a family, a loving family, being, I mean, married for a long time and having two beautiful daughters, okay, achieving my dreams. To be born in the family that I am in, that's, that's, that's the best luck that I've had. My family is a blessing. The best luck is probably having babies because I couldn't have babies and now I've got two beautiful children, late in life mom. I gave birth at 46 and 49. <laughs> so. I think one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me is to have the grace of God when my mother died to be uh, uh, to, to get these people that I work for, the company that I work for, right at the time that, uh, that she died. They were there for me at that time and I've traveled all over the country as a result, so I'm very blessed. I have many, many reasons why I'm lucky, actually. I'm one of the lucky ones, I guess. I've had a lot of good luck, but you can have good luck by maintaining a positive mind. And what your mind is how you bring forth your reality. That's what it is. Negative mind brings negative life. Maintain good luck at all times. Honestly, it might sound kind of corny, but I say the best luck I've ever had is, is being born and being able to experience everything that we've had like in life, the good, the bad, um, just everything. Life's amazing and it is what you make of it. So make sure you take uh, advantage of those experiences. Nice. You're Irish, right? Yes, I am. That's right. In part, Scots Irish. <laughs> oh, no tidbit. way. Yep. Oh, and as usual, New York City is going to have the St. Patrick's Day Parade this morning. It starts at 11 o'clock Eastern time. It's pretty warm out there, you know, and spring's around the corner, so. Yeah, enjoy everybody, and I can't wait for spring. We're ending the program here, right here, though, and as always, if you have any stories or feedback you'd like to share with us, write us at NTD, uh, goodmorning at ntd.com. That's the email. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.